on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. We continue our breakdown of OU's roster by looking at the tight ends and H-backs. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we discuss Lon Kruger retiring, and we recap the Sweet 16 games from the weekend. We finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? I'm man Michael Hasty. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, March 29th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor, and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordOfOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now, recording this on Sunday night, just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to please leave us a five-star review and comment with what guests you would like to have us on the pod. You would like us to have on the podcast? Is that English? That's English. That's right. That's We're right. just getting warmed off, up here. We're, we're off to a hot start. Up. Here we go. Here we go. But yeah, we're going to try to get someone else on to talk some college basketball coming up this week with the final four being right around the corner. So we, we've got, we've thrown out a few feelers, a few feelers. We'll, we'll see if anything comes of it, Ted. We need uh, expert basketball analysis on here. Not my strong suit. Yeah, we try our best, right? <laughs> I mean, that's all the, the, I think people recognize the effort, but yeah, we'll get to some basketball stuff and FGTB, but let's start with what we know best. And that's football. And wanted to start here. Uh, RIP to Howard Schnellenberger, a guy that clearly his one season at OU in 1995 did not go well. And, you know, we've all heard some of the stories about him as a coach, uh, most notably not giving the guys water. Like we all understand that aspect to him. But in all seriousness, he had a huge impact on college football took that Miami program that was almost dropped by the school and built it up, eventually lead Miami to its first national title in 1983, I believe. And then he deserves a ton of credit 
for what Miami became in the 80s. He also rebuilt the Louisville football program and then started the program there at FAU. So he's got stadiums. He got stadiums built at both of those schools on campus, which was a huge deal. He just had a really big impact on college football, Ted. No, there's no doubt about that. And I know the the tenure at Oklahoma didn't go well, but at the time that I, that was a, a hire that a lot of people were really excited about with some of the things that that he had done. Um, you know, honestly, I I don't even I don't even remember his his time at Oklahoma. But, you know, whenever I got to OU, it was close enough to where I got a lot of like secondhand stories from guys that played with guys that played for that that team. You know, there was some crossover there. So uh, definitely interesting. He had a, a, had an interesting technique or style that um, he brought with him. But, man, you're right. Uh, big impact on multiple programs. and. We know winning national championships in college football is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's it's one of the most difficult things that there is. So, yeah, credit, huge impact uh, he had on college football. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, all of my Howard Schnellenberger knowledge comes from stories that Kelly Gregg told me. So that's that. Right, so that, would he have been a freshman in 95? Yeah. So he was there when Schnellenberger was there. Yeah. So I think it, he's told me some stories now. They're uh, they're pretty interesting, but he did have a lot of success. He had a lot of success. Unfortunately, that success didn't come at OU. Uh, okay, so some details came out about OU's spring game, and the kickoff time is set. So spring game will be Saturday, April 24th at 4 p.m. What an odd kickoff time. Ted, how, how do we feel about that? 4 p.m. I guess it's okay. It's all right. I don't know. It's a really I, weird time. It's a it it's is. a bizarre kickoff time for any game, including a spring game. 4 p.m. There's got to be a reason. They don't just randomly settle on, on 4 p.m. There's There's got to be some reasoning there. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, TV windows, maybe. I don't know, but. I'm I'm okay with that, I guess. I'm all right. I, I've personally everything really sucks after the Friday night spring game. The Friday night the Friday night thing ruined it for you, huh? I it did. That was so awesome. Man. I was like, hey, let's make this a new tradition. I was really pushing it hard on everyone, but no takers, unfortunately. So tickets are on sale for the spring game for season ticket holders now. And if any tech Tickets are left. They will be made available to the public starting April 5th. The party at the Palace with all the food trucks and all that stuff, that will be going on before the game. That will start at 11 a.m., run all the way to 3.30. We'll be on the radio broadcast for it, as far as I know. So sometimes those those conversations take place a little late in the game. That's true. That's, that's definitely true. Uh, we could get a curveball at any moment. But Fox Sports Oklahoma has stolen Toby Rowland from us. He'll be on the TV call with our buddy Dusty Dvorak and Jessica Cootie. Did they really steal T Row for TV? What in the world? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, 
Toby decided to big time us, I guess, for the spring game. Must be nice. I don't know. Has anyone told Chad this yet? Doesn't Chad usually do the the TV for the spring game? Yeah. I is he, he gonna must be... have a there must be a fishing tournament conflict or something. He, I, is, I he is the voice of bass fishing. So. That's right. Maybe, so maybe I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but um, it, I, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, when the parents go out of town, uh, high school, you throw the, that's, we're going to be throwing a party on air whenever T Rose in the next room. For those of you that don't understand, Toby Rowland is the only mature person on that <laughs> broadcast. He's the only reason that that thing stays on the rails. I'm a little scared for us. I, I know I'm a little scared for myself because Toby keeps me in line. This this could be an issue. Now, I don't well, know if Plank or Chad McKee's going to yeah, fill in know. for him. We'll, we'll find out, but there will be a mature person doing play-by-play, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I should. I, I don't need this much freedom on a radio broadcast. I'm scared. Is there a chance there's something he's not telling us because this is the second football game in a row that he's not been on the radio call. So, um, but I am worried like you are that it could go off the rails. It was a cotton bowl. So we had to at least try and act like we were on our best. We had to dial in right? a little bit. We, we had to, had to rein things in. It can get, it can get pretty loose on a, on a spring call. Third wow. quarter rolling around fourth quarter, second half. We're down to the third and fourth string. Oh man, it's going to be bad, isn't it? <laughs> come back toby okay so ou they've they've had a couple spring practice practices they've got a couple in the books uh this week they'll go monday wednesday friday and then they'll let all their go all their guys head home for easter so we wanted to continue our position preview breakdown whatever the hell you want to call it and we're going to do tight ends and h-backs on this episode and we'll start here, Ted. Mikey Henderson is no longer in that room. Uh, asked a few people. He is now in the running backs room. So we'll talk about him when we break down the running backs because he is no longer technically an H-back or tight end. So let's get to the guys that are actually in that room. And this is one of the more interesting positions on the roster for me because I was looking at it. I was preparing for us to talk about it. They only have three guys. There are only three guys they feel comfortable playing when it comes to tight ends and H-backs. And it's Braden Willis, Jeremiah Hall, and Austin Stogner. And Ted, that seems odd to me because Lincoln likes to play in 12 personnel. I'm not sure the exact percentage that they played in 12 last year, but my guess is somewhere around 20% or so. Like, they were in it quite a bit. So, I'm not sure why they don't have more guys in that room. It's it's something they're going to have to address. Frankly, you you can't have you, – you can't be that thin at a position that plays such a large role in the office, offense, especially – when you have multiple guys from the position group on the field at once a lot. So whether it's a late Juco guy or a transfer before training camp or something, it feels like they need to add something 
to this group. And that's no disrespect to Willis and Hall and Stunger. Three is just not enough guys when this group is so important in this offense. Well, I don't think there's any doubt. Just take a look at last year. And you said 20% for 12 personnel. And I think that that's probably right. But remember that we had Braden Willis that was out for for multiple weeks there. That was it contact tracing that he was out with. And then remember early, and then he came back and hurt the knee, right? right. Remember he okay, got yeah. rolled up. So Braden Willis was gone for an extended period. And then obviously Stogner got hurt in the the Kansas game where we lost him for basically the rest of the season. So, you know, without those two guys, we were missing one of the main cogs for a big portion of the season. I think that percentage would have been even higher. You can also look to that to say that, you know, you're an injury away from all of a sudden being really, really thin at, at tight end, which, you know, our offense is so versatile and does so many things well out of so many different personnel groups that, you know, they would be able to adapt and be, be fine with finding other personnel groupings to, to play their football in. But I think one of the biggest advantages we have over this conference is that tied in an H back position and the different things that we do. We, we've talked about it a ton about the pressure it puts on a defensive coordinator, not knowing exactly what to expect whenever we're in a 12 personnel. Is that going to be a heavy run? Is that going to be two tight ends on the line? Is that going to be a wing formation? Are they going to have both guys split out running verticals down the field? There's so much that we could do with it. Defensively, you can't really just put in a a 12 personnel package that, you know, dials in on one thing. Like, for most teams, 12 personnel's heavy run, heavy boot. So defenses are going to be uh, r- running defenses that are good against the run and, and good against the boot. It's not something that you typically see people go vertical passing game and, and really dial in on a pass catching tight end. But that's what Oklahoma can do. We can do that with multiple guys out there at the same time. So I'm with you. It would be really nice if if we can stay healthy with Willis Stogner and Jeremiah Hall we'd be fine right but you know as well as I do the the chances that someone's banged up or misses a second half or misses a game or two it's it's likely I mean that that stuff happens throughout a season so to not have that much depth there is interesting yeah they need to add something to it you 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 don't want to be that thin to where you basically have to get away from a lot of your 12 personnel stuff that is really effective for them if a guy goes down. Like, you you got to have some more depth. But let's look at the three guys that they do have in the tight end H-back room. Let's start with Stogner, right? Austin Stogner still working back from that really weird situation where he suffered the leg injury, then – had an an infection work its way to the leg. Now he was able to get that cleaned up. He was able to get back for the Cotton Bowl, which was an encouraging sign. But you and I both saw him at that game, Teddy. He wasn't even close, anywhere near to uh, to a hundred percent, in my opinion. Now he's got his weight back up, which is good. But from what I've been told, they are 
really managing his workload this spring. They are easing him back into things. A lot of people have seen some of the stuff that Benny Wiley's put out where Austin Stogner's like swimming in a pool randomly, like getting in extra work. That's because I'm not really sure how much he's going to practice throughout the spring. They realize how important he is to this offense and they want to ease him back slowly to get him to a hundred percent. OU's just a different offense with his ability to dominate the middle of the field. Ted, this guy has to be healthy when the season rolls around. So I am perfectly fine with them taking it easy with Stogner in the spring, right? There, there's no reason to try to rush him back onto the practice field and rack up a bunch of reps. Just got to get this guy completely healthy, and he needs to be ready to go when the games start, when it matters. Right. No, I, I, I totally agree. You know, he's, he's fantastic. And having a great tight end in any offense just can't be understated. It's, it always feels like it's just that one thing that puts it over the top. You know, look at Travis Kelsey and in Kansas City. Yeah, they've got a fantastic quarterback, a good running game, you know, good wide receiver targets for deep, deep balls and everything. But the tight end position is just kind of the thing that pulls that whole, whole thing together. And there's, there's a bunch of different offenses that you can look out there and, and see just that. And it's happened here at Oklahoma. I feel like, you know, Mark Andrews uh, in some of those real good offenses under Baker Mayfield was kind of the piece that, that pulled everything together for them as well. And, you know, you, the versatility of the position that we've, we've talked about, it just ties in so much to, to your running game. You know, whether uh, you start running more boots or some of your hard play action stuff and you sneak that tight end up over the middle where the backers are trying to attack downhill and some of the good running combinations that we have. Stogner's fantastic. And having him healthy and ready to go is obviously the utmost importance. But it just this just goes to show you like how serious that situation that he went through actually was. Cause here we are now, what four, five months later, and he's still just now trying to get back with the team a little bit and still taking it slow. So, um, ease him back. We need him at a hundred percent. I agree with you hundred, as long as he's ready to go when the season starts, I'm not going to worry about him at all. Exactly. Right. It, it almost feels like, an NFL player, right? <laughs> Where you're just like, hey, who cares? As long as he's ready the to go. The junior vet that's sitting over on the water <laughs> exactly. cooler every practice. Yeah. Exactly. He'll he'll be ready. He'll be ready in September. He'll be fine. Um, looking at the other guys, Braden Willis, right? Guy looks fantastic in New Jersey. Had some bad luck last year, right? With the contact tracing stuff and then getting injured. But he's a good player. He's good at a lot of things. I wouldn't say he's great at anything, but he's just consistently solid. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to turn into some big pass-catching threat, Ted, but we always talk about coaches trusting players. He's just a guy you can trust when you put him out there on the field. You know that he's going to do his job wherever you put him. And with them being careful with Stogner this spring, 
maybe he gets a few more reps, maybe he gets a little more comfortable and confident running some of these routes, especially vertically down the field because he's got the athleticism, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think he is going to be a star or anything like that, but maybe he can build on some things here in spring ball. But this is something I always say about Braden Willis. He's a winning player. He's a winning player that helps the team. He can do a lot of things, Ted. He's a, he's a solid piece. No, he is. And I'll tell you, you know, getting a, a, a ton of first-team reps with him, I think that's going to be huge. He's a better athlete, I would say, like uh, um, the way he measures, he's a better athlete than Stogner. Like all around, like 40-time bench press, all of that stuff. He's a better all-around athlete. Now, he's not nearly as smooth as a pass catcher, as a, tie, uh, as a, as a target as Stogner is, but I think he's got that capability. As good of an athlete as he is, given a, a bunch of uh, reps to settle into that spot, you know, maybe the coaches end up saying he's not bad, which, you know, there's a, he, he's, he's the perfect player for Oklahoma because what we talk about in these personnel groupings is you never know what you're going to get. Well, it's the same thing with Braden Willis. You never know. He can line up in the backfield as an H back. They've done that with him. Uh, he can be a lead blocker. They can use him for pass pro there. They'll line him up as an inline tight end next to the tackle. They've done that. They've lined him up as a wing, and he's split out and run routes for him and, and done a good job and made some big plays in some big moments. And I'll tell you right now, when Braden Willis splits out and you're a backer or you're a nickel stepping out there, you've got a giant dude that can absolutely fly that you're about to cover. I don't think anyone – takes that that matchup very lightly and hopefully he has a really good spring and if that's the case they start putting him into the into the lineup a little bit more at, at tight end in some areas where they can target him because I think he's I think he's great and I actually would say that uh, if I had to pick a guy on the team that maybe is underutilized I would say maybe Braden Willis he's I, I've really liked him a bunch yeah that's a good point I Maybe it's just the lack of opportunities he gets, right? Like you're saying, like he, it's not like he gets a bunch of targets, but hey, maybe Rattler and him develop some chemistry here in the spring, you know, with him getting some more reps. You, you never know. He, he clearly has the physical gifts. You're so right. He's going to be one of those guys where on his pro day, you're going to be like, he ran what? Yeah. I Why mean, didn't we play him more? He's a freak. That, that's exactly how it's going to be. But, yeah, he, uh, it'll be interesting to see if his role grows at all. But last guy, Jeremiah Hall, it feels like this guy has been at OU for forever, which is a good thing, right? It, it's a good thing. But he had five receiving touchdowns last year, which was second best on the football team. Now, a few on those scramble drills, and you we talked about it on the broadcast a lot, Ted, where you're like, that just doesn't happen with a fullback. So he's just a good football player, uh, smart guy, one of the leaders in that locker room, very, very reliable. He can hold his own at the point of attack as a run blocker. One area he needs to improve in 
is pass blocking. And I won't even say that this is much of his fault because I, for one, don't think they need to leave him on an island in pass protection like they did a few times last year. You've heard me complain about this in between commercial breaks on the broadcast, Teddy. I'm like, <laughs> why are they doing that to him? But once again, I say that about NFL teams when they leave tight ends on defensive ends alone. I'm like, why are you doing that to him? You're setting yourself up for failure. But if they're going to keep doing it, he needs to get better at that. And he's a diligent guy. I'm sure that he will continue working at it. I bet a small part of him is like, please stop doing this to me. Or at least tell the ha- tell the tackle to not help the guard. Help me. Yeah, give it, just give me an arm. That's all I Just do. an arm. Just an arm. But he is a sneaky weapon for Lincoln Riley's offense, Ted. And he's just a veteran presence on that football team. Does a lot of things well. He does. Uh, he's, he's a banger inside in short yardage. Uh, they'll use him out of the backfield in some in some tough areas where those throws are really tight. Was it Iowa State? He had a, a touchdown receiving down inside the five or ten yard line. I think he um, had touchdowns in all the big games, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, and the scramble drill stuff that you're talking about, it's you know we're running, we're watching the quarterback escape people and scramble out and throws it thirty yards downfield and wait. Why is our fullback 30 yards downfield on the scramble drill running a comeback route and, and making a diving catch? It's impressive, man. He, he, he really is a, an all-around player. And Oklahoma, just they continue to hit it out of the park, recruiting this type of fullback that can do everything. I mean, I feel like we've had this guy on campus for 20 years now, a guy that can absolutely do everything. Um, you go all the way back to uh, Seth Luttrell, who was an H-back, fullback, running back that they used in a ton of different situations. Uh, you know, J.D. Runnels and just the list goes on and on. Trey Miller, there's some really, really good players, and he's just con- continued that legacy. And I'm excited to see what else they do with him. Um, you know, every year, teams kind of morph and change, and it's not always like wholesale changes. It's just small things that you, you don't necessarily pick up for pick up on for a while, but I bet there's going to be some tweaks to the running game this year, and I'm interested to see how and if he's involved in some of that lead blocker or like I was talking about some of the zone and boot stuff that's starting to be big in college football again. It took off in the NFL, and uh, we watched Sarkeesian in Alabama do it a ton, so – I don't know, just kind of interested to see where that goes. Gabe, you played on some of those outside zone teams. The tight ends and fullbacks are huge parts of those offenses, whether it's out of the backfield or boots or play action. Got to dent the edge. Yep. And you got to have guys that can take on guys coming and filling the alley. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. You know, I, I feel like this. Uh, I feel like you're you're setting me up here because you know how badly I want them to run more zone. You know, know. that I'm with you too, though. I'm with I, you. It just would make their lives so much easier. I don't and, understand. It's just it's easy. It's efficient. If you get good at it, it's the best play in football. Outside zone is the best play in football. All the best offenses in the National Football League are outside zone based offenses. I'm just saying, these are the facts, Ted. No, hey, and I agree with you. 
I, that doesn't mean that you have to totally abandon everything else that you do. Cause right, right. I, I think some of the, the GT counter stuff is, is great. They've built some really good play, play action stuff off of that, but it does feel like the league is caught up to that play quite a bit. Doesn't it? Yeah. And it just, just takes so long, man. It takes <laughs> so long. And you, you know me, I just, I just hate seeing centers back block and back block again. And back block again. I used to always tell Creed, man, just tell him to call more zone so I can watch you actually <laughs> block someone instead of just stand there. Ugh. Hopefully, we'll see. It's kind of hard to argue with the results of the running game, but yeah. wasn't wasn't what it's been last yeah. season, right? So they yeah. they probably need to add a few more wrinkles. Okay, so for our call your shot question, we put it out there. What kind of stood out to you guys about the tight ends and H backs on the roster? This one comes from at don't trust govern. I, I don't know. Don't trust govern. Uh, okay. <laughs> Whatever says the OU H back evolution continues, even though all the H backs look different and have vastly different skill sets, they can all block well and score at any time. Who's the best blocker out of the H back group? I'd say because none of them are great blockers. I'm not going to give them that kind of credit. Like none of them are great blockers. I feel like I may say Jeremiah Hall. Hall? I don't well, know. Him or Willis is definitely not Stogner. No offense to Stogner. Joe John will get that kid right, but right. Well, I don't know. I would say that Hall is the best blocker out of the backfield, but I don't. Is he better than Willis as the in man on the line of scrimmage blocking a six technique? You know what? I'm I'm just gonna ask Joe John. Hey, who's the best blocker y'all got in that room? I, it's and, and we I we said it when they hired Joe John Finley. He is going to make them better blockers. Mm-hmm. He is. It was something he took a ton of pride in as a player and constantly beats it into his guys as a coach. So I would expect their blocking, not only their technique but their effort. And it's not like yeah. they weren't given a ton of effort, but Joe John played for Kevin Wilson. And we used to do this thing and tied an individual. We used to have to block and the, it, it was like a whistle didn't exist that he, we'd end up 60 yards down the field before he blew the whistle. And it kind of just makes you play like a bit of an asshole and a bit of a psychopath because in your head, you're like, dude, I am not getting yelled at by this guy because like in film, because I stopped too early. So you just like block and block and block. I'm telling you, you're going to notice the difference this year. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I, again, I think all, although the numbers are down in that room, all three guys are great at different things or really good at different things. It's not three of the same exact guy. You know, you get something different with, with everyone. I kind of feel like I, Kohler's a little bit different, obviously, as a patch, pass catcher, but I feel like at Iowa State, they've got all these different tight ends that are all like the same guy. Like They all kind of do the same thing. Um, our guys are all a little bit unique in their skill set. I like it. Yeah, makes it hard to defend, hard to game plan for. Okay, let's get to football guys talking basketball. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. 
checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Okay, FGTB. And unfortunately, we start here. After 45 years in coaching, including the last decade at the University of Oklahoma, Lon Kruger has called it a career and is retiring. Now, when you look at what he did for OU, uh, took the Sooners to seven NCAA tournaments, including that Final Four in 2016, and we will not talk about how that went, but he ends his career with 674 wins. He is one of three coaches ever to lead five different schools to the NCAA tournament. He is an absolutely tremendous basketball coach that has an unbelievable reputation amongst his peers. But Ted, ultimately, Lon will be remembered for being an unbelievable person. Yeah, no, there's, there is absolutely zero doubt about that. You can search high, low, everywhere for someone that has a bad thing to say about Lon Kruger, and you're not going to find anyone. Colleagues, players, uh, friends, people around every one of those programs, uh, just a fantastic guy. Great athlete, great golfer, great basketball player, could do absolutely everything and has had a ton of success. Uh, coaching college basketball. It's not not easy to replicate success at all those different places. There's a reason why there's so few coaches that have done it. Um, I know that he probably wishes they could have ended it uh, on on better terms with a a Sweet 16 or or an Elite Eight run or something like that. Really build on that momentum they had mid season. But all in all, he ends what is a great tenure at Oklahoma. It's crazy. I feel it was a decade, but it seems so much quicker than that. It doesn't seem like it's been 10 years, but um, yeah, we, we lost a good one. And it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, I, I can't say that it's going to be impossible to replace long Kruger. It's going to be different and you never know what you're going to get with the new hire. So uh, this is a big one for Joe C. Yeah, and that that was the thing about Lon is you knew exactly what you were getting with him, right? Yep. Successful coach, but a guy that was never going to even bend the rules, right? Let alone break them. So you knew you didn't have to worry about any of that. And you can't say that about a lot 
of college basketball programs, right? right? You, you can't say that like, and it's difficult, right? Let's, let's just be real. It is difficult to run a clean college basketball program and get to a Final Four, right? It, it's difficult. If you can't get some of the players that you need to get, the difference makers, right? It's hard. And we all know what's going on out there. We all know that people are paying players. Like, everyone knows that. And Lon Kruger was not about that life, but still had a lot of success, was still able to go to a Final Four by developing players and treating them with respect. And, you know, everyone hears the stories about him not cussing or belittling guys, instead building them up, loving them, that type of approach to coaching. That must have been great. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how awesome that would be? I was, you know what? I was hearing, I was seeing all these players say stuff and I was seeing all these stories about how amazing it is. I was like, I've never played for a coach like that. Football's not that way. I agree a hundred percent. I just kind of laugh, you know, build me up. Doesn't curse. What the hell does that even mean? It's just such a different environment, sports environment that I've ever, ever seen or been around. And, he proves that there's different ways to do it and have success, man. He he's yep. he's cut from a different cloth, but he's still he's still shown that you can do it the right way and and have success. So yeah, it's it's it'll be different. You you may see uh, a coach let let go, maybe even get a technical. Crazy, maybe even get a technical. Could be weird around here. Yeah, but Lon's going to be headed to the Hall of Fame eventually right he's got the resume he's very well respected um does all the stuff off the court right coaches versus cancer all that type of stuff just a tremendous human being and and let's be real everyone likes him so he's gonna get into the hall of fame that helps like let's not pretend it doesn't like when everyone likes you that has a vote that's gonna do you some good yeah uh, it's crazy that he's He's built that type of reputation. A lot of guys that are that coach and are in something for so long, you you develop some rivalries and some animosity between other, like whether it's a someone in a conference that you've coached against or recruited against a lot. There's no one out there. That person does not exist for Long Kruger. Yeah, I will say this. And I don't know, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but it kind of feels like it's time, like it was time Mm -hmm. for there to be a change at OU for OU basketball. Like he got the program back on the right track, right? He got it stabilized. They are at a consistently competitive level in the Big 12, uh, had the Final Four run. OU is, you know, a top 25-ish type basketball program. I think it's a top 25 job in college basketball now where, where Lon has taken the program. So he certainly left it better than when, than the way he found it, which is always what you want. But I, I wonder the direction that Josie's going to take, right? Because I think First and foremost, the the new head coach at OU, it's it's going to have to be a high character guy, right? I, I think that Joe Castiglione enjoyed having Long Kruger and not having to worry about him 
at all, right? Not having to worry about anything with him. Now, some names that have been thrown out there, Ted. Tom Crean, I saw on a couple people's lists. It hasn't gone particularly well for him at Georgia down there in the SEC. So would he be wanting to maybe have a change of scenery? I I don't know. Uh, Grant McCaslin is on everybody's list, right? North Texas coach just took them to the tournament. Paul Mills, a little local flavor there, you know, used to work under Scott Drew at Baylor's now uh, there at Oral Roberts, which he, when you actually look at it, they haven't had a ton of success in conference play. I know they won the conference tournament this year and, and obviously we'll get to their amazing run, which came, came up just short of going to an elite eight. Wow. And then uh, the other hot name, Porter Mosier, right? Loyal Chicago. So I, I don't know if any of those guys make sense, but those those are kind of some of the names I've been seeing flowing out there. Someone said like Bark Turgeon. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, the Maryland I heard, guy? I heard that too. Uh, I've, I even heard, I, and I don't know if any of these have any legitimacy, but I also heard Dana Altman out of Oregon for some reason. His name was, was thrown in there. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what Joe C is thinking. I'm, I'm sure that he's had some type of list for this occasion. Um, and we'll see where he goes. Uh, it's a big hire, man. I, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, OU men's hoops is, it's not necessarily at a, at a, uh, a, like a big pivot point, but People right now are really wanting more out of the program. Uh, Part of the frustration is we don't have very high expectations going into a season. We find a hot streak. We play well. Then everyone is awake and like, okay, here we go. We got ourselves a basketball team this year. Let's see what we can do. And then we really fade down the stretch and haven't, had a whole lot of tournament success since that final four appearance, which I guess we had only had one win until our first round win um, against Missouri this year. So I think everyone hoped that that final four appearance was going to be something that vaulted our basketball program back. And it didn't ever really translate into, into a bunch of sustained success. Uh, We had the Trey young deal that looked like it was going to go great and then faltered and, he played good enough to, to be a one and done to the NBA. And I think that kind of left everyone swimming there for that, that second year where we expected him to be there. But it, it this is, it's a, I think it's a critical hire. Uh, people want this program to be um, quite frankly, Oklahoma should be way better than seventh in the big 12. We should be the, the second, maybe the third, best program in the big 12 year after year that that's what our history says as far as tournament history and wins and stuff like that. So that's what people want. It, this is a, this is a big hire. Got to get it right. Definitely. You look at what Chris Beard has been able to build there in Lubbock. I mean, there, there's no reason. I think kind of your point, Ted, that Texas tech should be consistently better and more relevant, right, than OU. So that should be the goal. All right, this is going to be a jumbo-sized FGTB because we are going to (laughs) recap all of the Sweet 16 games. And since I'm watching it right now, Ted, and this one is over 
UCLA knocks off Alabama in wow. overtime. I yeah. had I I paused it. It was forty to forty. Whenever I paused it to come well, in here, and do just the show. ruined it for you. You're no, welcome. that's fine. Um, it looked like it was shaping up to be a really good game. Overtime. How about that? Yeah, Alex Reese from Bama hit a three to send it into overtime, and UCLA has just absolutely dominated overtime. Now, I'm going to give you one guess. When Alabama watches this film or looks at the stat sheet after the game, what do you think the one thing is going to be that makes them go, oh, my God, if we just would have done that, we probably win the game? I probably free throws. I don't know. Oh, ding. You nailed it. Yeah. Because Alabama 11 of 25 from the free throw line, a 44% clip for the crimson tide shooting free throws. Yeah. That's how you lose games. That's how you lose games in the NCAA tournament. I know what 44% uh... from the line. I know what Nate Oates' teams are going to be doing over the summer, uh, long hours in the gym, shoot some foul shots. Just wow. brutal. But good good for UCLA, man. Mick yeah. Cronin. Playing game to Elite Eight. Let's go. I like that Juzang kid. He's fun to watch. I like that. Yeah. They, they played well. They were in the powder blues. That's a, that's a big win for Mick. A lot of people questioned that hire, right? They said, hey – I don't think that's a great fit. He's not a California type guy. Well, you know, sometimes it all lines up, man. Look at him headed to the elite eight. Pac-12 still showing out. No kidding. Now we're not going to waste any time on Gonzaga Creighton. That was, that was an absolute, that was a mismatch, right? That was, that was a beat down. I didn't even think Gonzaga played all that well. And it was never close. Like, it never even felt like Creighton was going to get within 10 in the second yeah. half. It, it just never felt competitive. And the Zags continue to roll. It's kind of crazy. I, I don't know if it's just because it's a weird season or because they're in the West Coast Conference or what, but they haven't lost a game. I feel like we're not making that a big enough deal. Like, they're undefeated. They have not lost a game. I know, and it's been a long time since that's happened, and there's a lot of pressure on that. That year, Kentucky was trying to do it. What They lost in the Elite Eight, didn't they? Um, yeah, was that 2015? Anthony Davis. Anthony team, Davis here, yeah. Right, so I, they're unbelievable. And what I, what I love watching them is everyone on the team can do everything. Um, they all can shoot from outside. They all handle the ball really well. They, they look like a, just a sharp, crisp, fundamental basketball team, which I think ultimately is what you want. And man, they, it, whenever you play the way they do, it doesn't seem like you have like the peaks and valleys really isn't a thing with them. It's just a really consistent, super high level of basketball. Yeah, I heard the Zadaransky kid from Creighton talking about uh, the game. Like he was, he was getting interviewed post game. He was just like, "You just feel like you can never breathe when you're playing them." <laughs> yeah. And and I think their defensive in intensity is really ramped up these last couple games. I've been impressed. I thought that maybe that would be their weak point, but man, they have looked they've looked dominant. It's- 
is is Timmy one of the best players you've ever seen at finding open spots on the floor? Just niftiness, like moving to good open windows to to like give and go or whatever it is. He just continuously finds like it's not like everyone doesn't know who he is and know that they've got to try and stop him, but he's so good at maneuvering around and finding open spots just to hit easy, super, super high percentage layups, dunks, uh, easy little chip shots. It's amazing. Yes. Now I, I think a big factor in that is that he is surrounded by some yeah. great players that force the floor to be spaced. Yes. Right. So he has room to operate. They can't focus on him because what are you going to do? Leave Corey Kispert open right. standing out <laughs> at the three point line. I mean, absolutely not. What are you going to do? Leave Jalen Suggs. Like you're just not going to do those things. So he has space to operate, but he is the classic example. And by the way, the, the mustache is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely fantastic, but you know, he, he's six ten. He's not a tremendous athlete when you just look at like raw athleticism. He's just a damn good basketball player, man. Like there's some guys that have that elite athleticism you see him play and it just jumps out. It just jumps off the screen where you're like, man, that guy can run and jump. When I watch Drew Timmy, he's just skilled. Mm-hmm. He, he, he is a polished basketball player. He's not the best athlete in the world. Now he is 6'10. He's tall. He's a big dude, but his skill set always under control. He's got everything in the bag of tricks. So I I completely agree with what you're saying. Yep, they're good. They're good. Hey, this is the uh this is the stat of the tournament. Or I guess not of the tournament, but of the season. Gonzaga has won 26 straight games by double digits. Wow. Pretty, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Amazing. Okay, one that surprised me a little bit. Oregon State takes down Loyola Chicago, and I will not lie to you, Teddy. It caused me physical pain to watch this basketball game on Saturday. It was the first game of the day, and it did not take me long to figure out why they scheduled it as the earliest game of the day. <laughs> oh, my God. But now credit to Ethan Thompson from Oregon State. He was really, really good for the Beavers. but. Oregon State, they just sat in a zone, which I think should be illegal. I think the 2-3 zone or any form of zone where a guy can just sit there in the middle of the paint, I think all of those are a tool of Satan. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That being said, it was pretty damn good by Wayne Tinkle. It was smart. Loyola Chicago. Now, they couldn't hit anything, but I'll give Tinkle his credit. He saw how fantastic Loyola Chicago executed their stuff against Illinois, who was stubborn, right? They played man. They stayed playing man on the defensive end. And Crutwig in Illinois, Chicago, just carved them up with just polished sets, crisp cuts, just really intelligent, flowing offense. They didn't get to run any of that shit in this game because Oregon State, they were the bigger team, right? They had more length. They sat in that zone, and Loyola Chicago missed shots. And, I, I mean, they just missed a ton of, of shots. So they never had to get out of the zone. Oregon State never had to get out. Now, it was absolutely brutal to watch. <laughs> but you look at the, the fighting sister genes go 5 of 23 
Oof. from three. And uh, I can only imagine how long that game will haunt Lucas Williamson. That guy just could not buy a bucket. But I really, I, I mean, an improbable run for Oregon State, who only made the tournament because they won the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, I I got to give them credit. It was a gross game, but that that's a hell of a win. I, I feel like every time we talk about Oregon State, I'm like, I don't know how or why, but they just keep winning, Ted. Yeah, and – you know, that's the, that's the fun thing about college basketball is you maybe don't always have to be the best team, but if you're the hottest team, you can really accomplish some big things. And that's, that's kind of what Oregon state has, has done here uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, dude. It, so they got off to that good start and it looked like they were just going to run away with it, but Loyola made a couple of runs there to, to climb back in the thing and, and get it back within striking distance. But you're right. They just, it, it was tough. That zone, you know, just pack it in, takes Crutwig out of it. So yeah, it was a frustrating watch and I was pulling for uh, Loyola Chicago to keep, keep rolling through it. But Oregon state, Hey man, it, it pays to be hot. They just keep winning. They just keep winning. Everyone's like, I don't know how or why, but they just keep winning. Good for the Beavers. Okay, Baylor continues to roll now. This was an interesting game, right? Because we I had just watched a few hours before that Oregon State Loyola Chicago, and I was like, I need to cleanse my basketball palate. <laughs> I need to see Baylor play. It'll make me feel better watching them score a bunch of points, getting out in transition. And that's not how that game went, right? That That's not how it went. Because in, in the first half, Villanova's hitting shots. So that that limited Baylor getting out in transition and doing what they do best, right? That's how they get a lot of their threes. They play fast. They get in transition. Uh, guys don't get their matchups on their way back, and they get some open threes. But they shot it horribly. I mean, Baylor shot the three horribly. This is the best three-point shooting team in the country, and they couldn't buy one in the first half and they recognized that. And I thought Scott drew made a great adjustment. He talked about it after the game. He told his guys, Hey guys, we got to stop shooting these threes off the dribble. We got to go to the basket because we can't hit shit. So they just took it to the rack. They took it right at Villanova in the second half, scored a lot of points in the paint that they don't normally really score, but I don't know what Scott Drew said to him about midway through that second half. That defense got cranked up, and they absolutely smothered Villanova in the last 10 or 12 minutes of the game. I think I, I don't even know if Villanova scored 10, 10 points in that stretch of the game. They were dominant on the defensive end, and that's how they won that game, Ted. And yeah, I, they continue I to show – I checked in on the game and it was tight and I, I watched a good chunk of it. And then I, I ran outside or I did something and I was gone for a long time. And I came back and uh, Villanova hadn't scored, still had not scored since I had left. I was like, what has been going on here? Uh, I think it was they were maybe they were stuck at like 50 or something like that forever. And Baylor went on that nice run, and that was kind of it. They're like, all right, enough screwing around. We're separating here. Yeah, Baylor 
they had this stretch like in the back half of that second half where uh, it was like five or six straight stops with involved Villanova turning it over them getting stops like it was it was impressive they they look good I think we're kind of destined for Baylor Gonzaga in the finals but you never know okay Houston and their squad all rocking the short shorts man all rocking the short shorts they straight up bullied Syracuse I mean, pushed them around. It was actually kind of funny for me to watch. I, I don't know. I was like, it, it almost felt like one team was playing football, the other team was playing basketball, and I was just like, yeah, just punk them, dude. Buddy buckets, my That's, ass. Hey, you know what you're going to get from uh, Kelvin Sampson teams, right? You know tough. it's going to be tough, grinded out, uh, really good on defense, hit the glass, so. You just didn't know, like Syracuse, the way they shoot the three at times, uh, you know, they can play with absolutely anyone. And that's really, you know, uh, what were they, uh, 11 seed and to, to make it this far is because they've been ripping that three. And, you know, when you get out there and smother them and push them around and make it a difficult game, it's hard to hit a bunch of threes. Yeah. Buddy Bayheim, the, uh, the darling of the tournament so far, was one of nine shooting the three. Everyone Houston. around here was pissed about the Buddy Buckets thing. <laughs> I okay, I felt bad because I was cheering against Buddy Beheim because of whoever runs the March Madness Twitter account. No, like that's, that's fine, not right. Though. I shouldn't be no, cheering against them because that's someone just deci- Yeah, you're right. I was like, Buddy, I was like, my Buddy Buckets would never go one for <laughs> nine from three. Buddy Buckets, my ass. Like I kept saying that. I was like, what am I doing? Like, but it, it was good when you look at Houston, just that that's their identity, right? That's that's Kelvin Sampson's style. A really good game from Quentin Grimes. Uh, hit some big shots in some big spots, but I feel like Kelvin Sampson is just blessed, man. They get Oregon State to go to the Final Four. I know. Can you? All right. Imagine before this season started, you're about to start the about to tip off the first game of the year, and you go to Kelvin Sampson and say, "I'll offer you a chance to wear." You play Oregon State to make it to the Final Four. Would you take it? You'd be like, yeah, who? Play who to make it to the Final Four? Oregon the, State? Yeah. The team the team that got picked preseason to finish dead last <laughs> in the Pac-12? Yeah, yeah, I'll play Oregon State to go to the Final Four. My God. I mean, it's just. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. But, okay, um, Michigan. Michigan, Florida State. This was a game. I know a lot of people that had Florida State to beat Michigan. I never really saw it, right? Because Florida State, they're so reliant on the other team turning the ball over. And Michigan's pretty polished with their stuff, right? So I I just didn't see. I thought Michigan, even without Isaiah Livers, had better players. And boy, did they ever. They they smothered Florida State. And and Florida State, their offense is bad. I'm I'm just going to call it how I see it, but I thought Michigan was impressive defensively. I thought that Hunter Dickinson was really effective inside. They were very balanced offensively. I mean, none of their guys had a huge night or anything like that. Now, they really didn't need to because Florida State couldn't score, but I I thought Michigan did a really good job and it was it was a pretty dominant performance. Like that second half, the, the game was 
never in question. I mean, they were in control. So Jawan Howard, man, he's, yeah. he's doing the damn thing for the alma mater. They were in, I, I like it because they were a one seed and it felt like nobody was giving them the credit that they deserve. Like, like they, they, uh, they were good enough for that overall spot or maybe not necessarily that they shouldn't be a one seed, but very few people picked them to make it the final four, which is rare of a one seed. And I feel like they're playing well. It was cool to see uh, the, the old 25 out there with the Howard on the back, getting some, some run late. That was cool. So I, it, Michigan, it just kind of has the feeling of old. It's cool, man. I like it. Yeah. And I, I will say shout out to uh, Ra- Raquan Gray. That's the guy. I don't know how many times the – is a thicker guy from Florida State. I don't know how many times they brought up that he weighed 260 pounds, but they brought it up like 15 times in the broadcast. And I was like, we get it. He's, he's a thicker guy. We get it. And every time they talked about him, he was like, the 260-pounder. I was just like, okay, let's, you know, you can back off on my man. I still don't understand. Like you play college basketball. How are you? I, I don't understand how college basketball players aren't all just jacked. Like all they do is run around and lift weights. Like how are they all not just yoked? I don't understand it. It's crazy. I don't know how anyone that plays basketball either collegiately or professionally is it how many calories must you eat as an NBA player to not be as lean as you could ever imagine? They run like seven miles a night. It's crazy. And and they're sprinting. They're, yeah. Just losing uh, 15 pounds of water uh, in sweat every single night. It's crazy. And some guys, it doesn't matter. They're just, I mean... I don't know. It's wild. I'm with not, you though. I'm not trying to body shame Rick Ron Gray or anything like that. Hey, and by the way, guy might look pretty good in some shoulder pads. I'm just saying yeah. six, eight, yeah. maybe a little tall. He's probably more like six, six and a half if we're being honest, maybe six, seven. So I don't know. Tied He's in, in the window. He's in the window. Yeah. He could throw on. Cause you know, that, 265 number may not be accurate either. You know, he may be, I maybe don't, a little bit. I don't think that if he's six, eight, that number is not accurate. Let's go with listed at two, right. 260 pounder. God, they brought it up so much. Okay. Oregon USC is going on right now while we're recording this. So uh, I like USC in this game, but right now it is Oregon 10 USC nine with 13 minutes and 52 seconds to go in the first half. So, We'll talk about that one. We'll never talk about that one because by the time we do the next episode, the final four will be set. So Oregon USC is kind of this game that, you know, I will say this, it's a nice uniform matchup. Uh, It's, it's aesthetically pleasing as it is on my television, but yeah, look at the pac 12 though. Uh, mentioned it earlier, but going to get three teams into the lead eight. That's pretty impressive. That is, man, that's annoying. I feel like I can't make, we can still make fun of them. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. No, easy. So we saved the best for last, obviously. Oral Roberts was so close. Um, Devontae Davis from Arkansas hits the mid-range jumper to put the Razorbacks up two. 
and ORU got the exact look that they wanted. Max Aismas had a great look. I thought it was going in. I, I wanted it to go in. I stood up. I screamed. It didn't go in. It leaves it a little short, Ted. And the Golden Eagles led for so much of that basketball game. They're up double digits and let it slip away. But still, that is a hell of a run for Paul Mills and Oral Roberts. Oh, they should have won. They should have won, though. I'll I'll say uh, that was an awesome end to a game. That's what the tournament should be like. I wish you would have hit that shot to see the emotional pain it caused him whenever he missed it and it didn't go in was hard to watch. But was that one hell of a play drawn up or what? How awesome was that? I mean, that was, was great. great. It was great. And I, I will fully admit I'm one of the people that wants college basketball to implement being able to call a timeout and advance it and like like you can in the NBA game like in the last couple of minutes just because I want there to be more competitive situations kind of like that one but it was so beautiful got him on the run going downhill towards the basket frankly one defended very well by Arkansas why don't you have two guys on ace miss make anyone else get the ball anyone else I I didn't understand that but beautiful pull up had the look I feel like everyone was cheering for him too Oh, yeah, we had a house full of people, and everyone was up, standing up, screaming, ready for it to go in. It was a fun run by them, and it would have been awesome. But, you know, I'll tell you, it's interesting because up where they are in Tulsa, there's a bunch of Arkansas fans up there too. So um, there was probably some, some fun parties watching that game. It was a really good one. Yeah, unfortunately. I will say this, Max Aismas can ball. I yeah. mean, that dude can absolutely play. He kind of – maybe it's just the body type and the fact, that, like, just how he can get buckets. He's got a little Jamal Crawford yeah. in his game for okay. me. Okay, that's a good I mean, comparison. Just, just like a guy that can score in a multitude of ways, the floater, you know, the pull-ups, catch-and-shoot guy. He just, just can score. Not the biggest guy in the world, kind of, kind of svelte. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I didn't think – Kevin O'Banner didn't play bad, but they needed more from him. I agree to to win that game, and if they would have got a little more from him, they win the game. But hell of a run, hell of a run. All right, Ted, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with thirty offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com and tell them we sent you. 
and March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code Oklahoma to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code Oklahoma to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip off the buzzer, my bookie puts the action in your hands with in game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Okay, time for winners and losers of the weekend. Ted, as always, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? It's got to be the Miami Dolphins. How they pulled off this trade with San Francisco, I have no idea. The Miami Dolphins have the number one three, or the number one three, the number three pick in this year's draft. They've traded that number three pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the 12th pick a first rounder next year and a first rounder following the, the year following that they then took that 12th pick and traded it to Philly for the number six pick and picked up even more stuff. I thought this was amazing by the dolphins to get all of this stuff um, for the number three pick. I got to tell you, I thought that, um, I thought San Francisco personnel wise has been really good, has made some great uh, decisions on guys, been smart. The Garoppolo thing is, is looking like a, that deal was a little bit premature, but um, they've been good. I don't know what this, I don't know what they see at the top of this draft at quarterback, but they gave a ton away to move up to that number three pick. I thought the Dolphins came out of this looking really good. So that was my biggest question because, and I agree, I think the Dolphins did a great job, and they got a bunch of picks in the next couple drafts, and they already have a solid roster. Like mm-hmm. They're going to be in the mix to win the AFC East. I know yeah. Buffalo's good. Uh, I understand that, but uh, I I think at this point, we're all Brian Flores believers, right? That guy knows what yeah. the hell he's doing, and they're assembling a hell of a roster, and they've got all that draft capital. But who do the 49ers want? I think that's the big mystery, right? Because I think now it is safe to assume that Trevor Lawrence is going one, right, to Jacksonville, and Zach Wilson's going two to New York because – that, that's just what everyone is saying. Do the 49ers know something that we don't? Because if those two guys are off the board, then it's got to either be they love Trey Mac Lance. Jones or they love Trey Lance, right? It's got to be Trey Lance. Trey Lance fits what Shanahan wants to do, right? The mobility, being able to run all the boot He's stuff. A beast. So I, it's is a physical specimen. Which, I, you know, they may feel like, you know, there's obviously a ton of upside with Trevor Lawrence, and he's he's like the he's the the safest he's the go-to first first pick, right? You can't look at anything and say that 
well, he, he's great, but he doesn't do this. He, he checks every single box. But Trey Lance may be the guy. It's riskier, but he may be the guy that has, of everyone, the most upside, the most potential. So I don't know. Maybe they feel like they're getting – they can move up to number three and get the best guy that's going to have the best, um, the best overall career because we just haven't seen – um, we haven't seen why am I drawing a blank GM for San Francisco, John Lynch. Uh, we haven't seen John Lynch do stuff like this. That This is not a John Lynch type of move. He, there's something there that he sees that is going to be an absolute game changer. So I don't know, but the fact that Miami acquired all of those picks. Oh, and by the way, um, they moved up to number six from the Eagles with that 12 pick from San Francisco. They still have the number 18 pick in the first round this year as well. So they, they are, they're building something there. That's as long as they make good picks with those, they they're going to be adding some good talent over the next couple of years. Yeah. I'm, I am, I'm pretty high on Miami in the near future. I still, and they're staying with Tua, right? They they said, yeah, they said they've got they've got all the faith in the world into it, right? I just wonder what happens to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He's supposed to I think he's due like twenty five million this year. <laughs> so you draft a guy third overall. Now, I don't think that money's guaranteed. I think that they could probably renegotiate or something like that. I don't think they're gonna pay him twenty five million this year, especially if they draft Trey Lance at three. But is it one of those you draft Trey Lance and you let him learn from Garoppolo for a year? I, I don't know. I just, I'm so interested to see how this works out for San Francisco. I know you were trying to be complimentary to Miami, but like my interest is peaked when it yeah. comes to what San Francisco is going to do. Lynch is probably saying Trevor Lawrence is going number one. The Jets are going to uh, step on the landmine at number two with Zach Wilson. And then we're going to be right there at number three to to have our, our pick of – and I, I would speculate Trey Lance, but they may have their eye on something else. And I don't know. It's been an interesting year as far as trades are concerned with quarterbacks. Um, it seems like they were trying to send him back to New England. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So he it may not be done. He, he still may not be back in San Francisco. So we'll see. And I know the – it's all we think of the well, they'll have Garoppolo and they'll draft their guy and let him learn for a year, but that's not the case anymore. People aren't doing that anymore. You're it's it's easier now to have quick success with a quarterback than it's ever been. Um, they're they're dra- I, and I also would think, Gabe, that the success rate from picking quarterbacks from college is the percentage has gone way up the similarities between the offenses in college and the NFL have gotten really close. So there's a lot of good quick carryover. Yeah. It's just a big jump, right? Yeah, it From is. North Dakota state to being the starting quarterback for the 49ers. All right. We'll see. Okay. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Oh, I had to go with Georgia losing one of the better returning wide receivers in the entire country to an ACL. Absolutely hated to see it. George Pickens, goes down in in spring ball there he was going to be big you know 
everyone, I've been hearing this for, it seems like eight years that JT Daniels is going to be an unbelievable quarterback. Finally showed flashes at the end of last year after missing big chunks with shoulder injuries. And it was going to be the year for Georgia's offense to finally break out. Well, they took a, took a step back losing George Pickens, fantastic wide receiver playmaker for them. Yeah. Uh, the guy is an absolute freak of nature, right? Six, three, 200 pounds can run like a deer. And I think a lot of people thought that this season was going to be a massive year for him, where he's just going to put up huge numbers. Yeah. JT Daniels can't be too happy about that one. And I, it always makes me so sad when guys suffer really tough injuries, like an ACL tear in spring ball. It's, that's the worst, man. You you just want all we want for college football is to see the best players play. And that sucks that we're not going to see George Picks. Now, maybe he's one of these superhuman healing type guys that can, to ask you, that can is, be back and by the you know the end of the SEC season. I don't I don't know. Eight months would be like November. Um do you think that the goal for him would be to try and make his way back. Like, even if he's not, even if he's not like, uh, I, sh- I don't want to say a hundred, like he'll be a hundred percent whenever he comes back. But if he's not in the playing form that he was this past season, do you think the, the thing for him would be to get out there, show that he's okay, show that he's healthy, ready to go play a game or two and then go to the NFL. You think that's what he's probably going to try and do? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, just because he's so special physically now hasn't had the, you know, massive type of production, right? You want to see from a guy that is going to make the jump to the NFL, but. Well, he's Georgia. Everyone kind of factors that in, you know. <laughs> yeah, also, year two under Todd Munkin, we'll see. You know, we yeah. saw some flashes of them looking competent when it comes to the passing game once JT Daniels got out there. So we'll see, but certainly. That's a big blow for them. Big blow. Okay, now my winner of the weekend, I will get to it. But first, Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And for March's kitchen cash-in, all wildcard members that earn 500 points on their wildcard playing AGS machines will win a continental stand mixer. Nice. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. And Teddy, don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school. They are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid 
is available. Okay, I thought about going with the Arizona Christian kicker, Nestor Higuera. Have you seen Nestor? I, after I looked at the rundown, I did a quick search and saw a picture of him kicking a field goal. Yes. So he hit a last-second 46-yard field goal to win the Sooner Athletic Conference Championship. And him hitting the game winner is obviously great. It's obviously a big deal. But, ladies and gentlemen, you got to see this guy because our man Nestor, he is five foot five, 285 pounds of kicker. <laughs> there's, there's Nestor if you're watching it on the YouTube. I can't get it to, I'm, I'm trying to get it to focus. It's not working, but Nestor's a, Nestor's a big fella. He's a big guy, big kicker. So I thought about going with him, but. Uh, Which, by the way, let me say that. Whenever you had Sooner Athletic Conference Championship, I thought that that was a typo. I had no clue that such a thing existed. The SAC? You're not familiar with the SAC? (laughs) No. Come on, man. NAIA. I didn't. I I don't. I guess I should have known that there was a Sooner Athletic Conference Championship. How about that? Big kicker. But I did not go with Nestor. Instead. Uh, my winner of the weekend is Thunder fans that wanted to see them go full tank mode because, ladies and gentlemen, it is here. My goodness. Uh, despite Best dude's like, man, Houston, we're going to have to step up our game. Yeah, no kidding. But despite him jumping up and down on the sidelines and cheering like crazy for his teammates, well, Shea Gillis Alexander apparently has plantar fasciitis in his foot and is going to miss quote extended time despite looking very, very healthy during his teammates. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to call it how I see it, but you've also got the thunder announcing that a perfectly healthy Al Horford won't be playing any more games this season. Now he'll still be around the team. He'll support his teammates, but they clearly don't want him to get hurt. Presti will try to trade him in the offseason and land him somewhere that he wants to be. How so awesome. what else? Can you imagine being paid millions of dollars to not play basketball He's to so them come amazing. and say, hey, you know, we just don't want you to – we're going to pay you to not get hurt, okay? And, it, and it's not like for Al Horford, it's not like a buyout situation where he's not playing well, right? Like he's playing really good basketball and Sam Presti's basically like, I need you to stop playing well. I need you to just, yeah, you're, you're, we're, we're just going to not let you do that anymore. So it's not like he's been bad, which when sometimes when you hear those things, like with what happened with Blake in Detroit, right? I mean, that was, he, he wasn't healthy, wasn't playing well. They didn't put him out there. You know, kind of like the Andre Drummond thing, like it, the, the old Marcus Aldridge thing. Al Horford's been playing well. So that's where it's just like, okay, we are in full tank mode, baby. <laughs> also, what else? Darius Baisley. He's just kind of disappeared. And the only thing, it's a shoulder contusion. I mean, so the guy's just missing games with the bruised shoulder? Like, what's going on? I, I don't know. You tell me. But then we've got now Lou Dort, right? Takes that shot in the Boston game. 
turns out he's now in the NBA concussion protocol. So we'll see if he misses any games. We'll see when Lou Dort's back, but they get Austin Rivers in that trade for George Hill. Well, they decide, you know what? He's really not Thunder material. Also, he may try to shoot too many shots, and when you shoot a lot of shots, you can score points and win games. So see ya, Austin Rivers. You're out of here. You're gone. Cut it. They cut him, but it's it is it's now all about development, Ted. It's about developing Poku and Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown, who they just signed to a multi-year extension, and Teo Meladon and Ty Jerome. This is this is who we will cheer for for the remainder of the season. And it's all about the development of those guys, which is a not-so-subtle way of saying they're going to lose a shit ton of basketball games coming up. So I don't think they can get into the bottom three of the league to where you get the best odds for the lottery. Remember how they changed that? The, the worst three teams all get the same odds. But it certainly seems like they're going to give it a go. Dad. They're going to give Oof. it a try to really lose a lot of basketball games it is here folks let the tanking begin it all makes sense uh whenever you go back to the decision of the thunder to announce that they're not letting any fans in for attendance for the rest of the season yep they were just saying we're saving you guys your money because (laughs) we will not be playing anyone for the rest of the year amazing well hey if you're going to give it a run, give it a run. Let's see see what happens with the uh, with the lottery. But you're right; the race to the bottom has already started. We we're way behind at this point. Won entirely too many games. Entirely <laughs> too many games. <laughs> right. But I can't wait for the Poku show. Just can't wait. Ty Jerome's going to be a guy that he he's going to win him some games they shouldn't win. He's going to like hit six threes one night, and we're all going to be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> But you look at it, they've got 17 first-round picks and 17 second-round picks in the next seven drafts. A lot of draft capital. Draft capital. That's not even a word. Draft capital? Draft capital. Capital. I just made up. Not even a word. Okay. My loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Stipe Miocic because, whoa. I'm not a big MMA guy. But uh, I did watch this one, and that Nganu guy, I was I, I have a couple buddies that are really into it, and they were texting me, and they're like, oh, my God, he learned to defend takedowns. And I was pretending like I knew that was a big deal. I was like, so, oh, yeah, he, you're right. I, I was like, dude, yeah, you're right, because like Stipe <laughs> and wrestling and, and such, like I get it. And they were like, no, you don't understand, bro. Like, if Stipe can't wrestle him and take him down, like, he's screwed. He can't stand up with this guy. He's way too powerful. I was like, okay. And then, oh, my God, put him to sleep. I was like, these guys were spot on with it. He couldn't uh, couldn't get him on the ground. And, ooh, that was tough to watch. He went night-night. He did, and almost maybe tore an ACL on the way to the ground, too. Looked like that a lineman ugly. getting rolled up. Yep, that was bad. Whew. Also thought about going with NFL players because – all signs point to the NFL expanding to a 17-game regular season this week when the owners meet. And there was a few players that voiced their displeasure. A few. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Alvin Kamara kind of led the charge. It's, it's interesting. I don't 
are there any players that are for this? I can't imagine that a single player is like, yes, I want to do that one more time. I want to get in all those car wrecks one more time a year. I'm just shocked that it's like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this. And nothing from the players union pushback, nothing. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Huh? Everyone knows. That's what I was fascinated by. It's like, it doesn't really make sense. The 16 game season has been fine. I know that you want to generate more revenue. We all know it's always about money. And the players are going to get their cut of that revenue, um, like, uh, obviously, like they should. But I'm shocked that they're, I haven't heard anything from the NFLPA saying, no, actually, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. They're not exactly the most proactive bunch. So <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure something will come out here shortly. But my loser of the weekend, Texas Athletics, mm. right? To start things off, Texas football had to pause spring practice due to COVID-19 protocols. Not exactly ideal, Ted, for Steve Sarkeesian and that entirely new coaching staff that is trying to install a new offense and a new defense. Yeah, I know they can do some things virtually, but it's not the same, and they already got to feel like they're falling behind, right? So that that's a bad way to start things. But it does sound like they'll fire things up back this week from some of the things that I've been told. But then Shaka Smart leaves Texas for Marquette. Now, from what I've been told, it sounds like it was a mutual thing, right, from some people that cover that program closely. But when you're Texas, that doesn't feel good. Like, your coach isn't supposed to leave Texas for Marquette despite Marquette being an awesome basketball school and Jock Smart being from Wisconsin. And I don't know if you know this, but Marquette, they share the Bucks' new arena. They play in Pfizer Forno. Like their facilities are fantastic. And I think they spend, they're in like the top five in the country when it comes to spending on the basketball program. Like they, it is a basketball school. There's no football. Right. And Shock Smart gets to get away from all the politics of Texas. But still, your coach isn't supposed to leave for Marquette when you're Texas. I feel like this is like the equivalent of someone showing up at a a house party or some nice event and breaking something and everyone in the room looking at you and you just say, yeah, I'll, I'll see myself out. You know, <laughs> it's shock of smart loses to uh, Abilene Christian. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go. I, you don't have to buy my, you don't have to take my buyout. I'm just, I'll just, I'll just leave. Yeah. I get it guys. I get where this is headed. So I'm going to go ahead and yeah, I'll, I'll see a you good later. thing for Texas because it's a good thing for Shaka too. I think this is a win-win for both of them. I think that place is going to be a little more suited for like his original philosophy and the way he runs things. And, you know, Texas wanted him gone anyways after losing Abilene Christian. This was a big season for him, and it looked like finally this is going to be the year. Maybe they have some uh, some postseason success in the tournament. 
And actually, it turned out to be the worst thing you ever could have asked for. So, yeah. It went from a high, high, right? Winning that Big 12 tournament. Or I guess, and then just crashing down. Crashing down. Oh, good luck to Shocker. I like Shocker. So, I hope that it all works out for him there. Royal Ivy name been thrown around. Yeah, I heard he interviewed. And I heard that. Kevin Durant really pushing that hard at Texas. That is huge for Texas. And I don't know how much Kevin Durant is involved in that, that program right now, but you hire one of his best friends who without a doubt will have him around a whole heck of a lot more. He'll, he'll be there. He'll be involved to probably a much higher degree. He also is probably worth about half a billion dollars by now. And could donate some of that cash to the program. So name, image, and likeness rules changing soon. I'm sure, Durant could uh, help yeah. some guys with some of that stuff. Just saying. It, I I just think it's a for Texas. It would probably be a really good hire. You think Royal Ivy's going to be the next coach there? That's what. That's the. That's the first name I thought of, other than Chris Beard, right? Yeah. Chris I don't Beard know why Chris be Beard good, would but... leave what he's built in tech uh, in, in Lubbock. I I don't know. And they're not Money, they but... are not gonna pay they're no. not gonna pay Chris Beard more than Steve Sarkeesian. It's just no. not gonna happen. They will Texas will not pay their basketball coach more than their football coach. Like people here's would, how dumb a lot Texas of people is. would have to die before that happens. Here, here's how dumb Texas is. In order to high beard hire beard, they would give Sarkeesian a raise. Like, That's hey, true. we're we're gonna bump you up to eight million since we're gonna hire Chris Beard for five and a half or six. So we can't have our football coach making less. So congratulations. Uh, by circumstance, you get a two million dollar raise or whatever it is. That's what. That's how dumb they are and how much they flush money down the toilet. But who knows? Texas does have that new arena coming. Right? It's gonna the be a big deal. McConaughey and. All those people are working on. It's going to be legit. So it's it's an attractive job. Be interesting. I would love to see Roy Ivy, former Thunder coach, right? That's right. Yeah. Royal Blue Ivy. Thunder. He's what? He's on the bench right now as an assistant for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah. Not. I don't think that's a uh, coincidence because you know who plays for the Brooklyn Nets? Kevin Durant. Oh, or- how about that? Everyone in the NBA, the all-star team of the NBA now plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Well, Marcus Aldridge, what the hell, man? <laughs> what the hell? Stock, <laughs> stockpiling Texas guys. <laughs> Just stockpiling them. Okay, uh, here's your USC Oregon update. USC is up 39-26 with 53 seconds to go in the first half. So I feel pretty good about my USC pick. It's another there. hot team, man. The pac 12s on fire. Very hot, just like Hansel. Okay, and on that note, episode 98 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do. Take care of each
for just one more time.